0: Greetings, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 6, issue 274, The Witcher. You can play along with us, the entire schedule, up to and including issue 300. Unbelievably, we're almost halfway through another year, another volume of the podcast. Uh, You can find the list on the Cane and Rinse website, but if you're looking into the near future to see what we're uh, playing in the next month and a bit or so, we've got Beautiful Joe and uh, the boss rush towards the end of the game is proving somewhat challenging for our team at this point we'll see how they do Uh, talking of challenging we're doing r-type and r-type 2 the following podcast then it's life is strange that shouldn't be too difficult to complete Following that, it's the uncompletable Joust, the classic coin-op from Williams. And then it's Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver, a much-requested game for the podcast. Head to com for that schedule, as well as articles and features and reviews and links to our forum. We have a Facebook page. Do give us a like and a YouTube channel. Subscribe to that for quick rinses. Uh, Basically Darren Gargett being amusing playing games. And if you enjoy all that we do, all this stuff, all the many hours of podcasting and video and written content as well, you can support us via our Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash kaneandrince, and and we are currently campaigning. We are asking you to dip into your wallets and pockets and donate a dollar a month. That's the minimum. You can even put in more if you wish and if we hit our target of three thousand dollars a month by uh, the end of the year when we come to plan our next volume we'll actually make even more cane and rinse next year it'll be 100 shows so uh, help us make it happen patreon.com slash cane and rinse if you want to uh, donate a few quid or dollars but get something in return the place to go is shop.spreadshirt.co.uk slash cane and rinse and you can buy lovely t-shirts and spiffing bags we also have another podcast which is very nearly about to hit What well, its 100th show. It's not just some fly-by-night extra edition. It's a full-blown thing now, Sound of Play. And uh, it's where we share our favourite video game tunes and your favourite video game tunes as well. We also have guests, composers, people from the industry and the community as well. So... Please do subscribe both of the podcasts uh, to both of them, I should say, on iTunes or wherever else you get them from and review and rate them if you can on whatever platform. And that helps us, too. So joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 274 are Joshua Garrity.
1: Greetings.
0: (laughs) And Sean O'Brien. Greetings. Thank you. Uh, Greetings, one and all. So uh, originally we had, I think, four or five down for this, um, and people have either been cut or dropped. Um, Tony, sadly, uh, just couldn't. Get through the game in time. He had too many commitments. He works a extremely long week and has young twins and and everything else. But it's kind of a shame because he was uh, going full in uh, listening to the uh, the audio books of the novels as well and everything. So, uh, but I think he may be joining us later in the series. Whether he'll catch up with playing through The Witcher or not, I don't know. It might depend on how it goes in this podcast. So, uh, this is your spoiler warning. Uh, while we won't necessarily talk about everything that happens, we will talk unreservedly about things that do happen throughout the game, The Witcher. Uh, we probably won't be spoiling any of the, uh, the original source novels. We'll try not to anyway. We might refer to them, so be careful of that as well. Uh, so, uh, going into this series of games, I mean, I've been aware of it for quite a while now, but <clears throat> this is my first play. And uh, I was even slightly confused by the term, A Witcher. Was it a witch with an er on the end or was it somebody who killed witches? No, it turns out it's a uh, specially trained monster hunter come curse remover. Uh, They are infertile due to the mutagens that they have to take to enhance their abilities. Uh, They become sort of somewhat emotionless or certainly cold on the outside. Uh, although they still very much, as we will see from our hero, have uh, human needs, both in terms of uh, company and uh, and carnal. Uh, from the forum, todinio says, the first time I saw anything about The Witcher, the game, was the amazing CG cutscene in which Geralt fights the Strigger. I never heard of the books or even knew what type of game it was, but that cutscene alone convinced me to play it. I was expecting an action game or typical Western RPG, but the more I played, the more interesting the game proved to be in both its story and gameplay. What grabbed me right away was the setting, not because you were a monster hunter in a medieval world, but because it was a world that was leaving you behind. You, as a witcher, was a relic of a bygone age. Maybe once people saw you as a ray of hope, but when the game takes place, people just look at you with disgust, like you were a mistake they want to erase from history. It's difficult to explain, but it's something that is throughout the entire game and is best personified in how the Witcher castle is in complete uh, disrepair and in the main villain's motivations as well. And from the uh, there's an interview on Rock Paper Shotgun uh, and uh, This is from uh, Martin Blatcher, lead writer. Geralt makes a living by solving the problems of others. He travels from place to place looking for opportunities to make money. That's actually a very convenient excuse to tell stories about everyday lives of the world's inhabitants, be they kings, merchants, peasants or beggars. While uh, While the story that ultimately drives the last act of The Witcher is a typical battle for the fate of the world, most of the game is concerned with petty crimes and betrayals. The games about Geralt contend that evil has its source in people, in their lies and weaknesses that others can easily exploit. Stories of this kind are far more suggestive than, say, a story about an invasion by evil demons. Sounds like a dig at Dragon Age there. Uh, True, we use supernatural beings and forces in the games, but merely as metaphors, the beast from the outskirts is not scary just because it's a dangerous monster. It's also frightening because it's an incarnation of misdeeds and sins we might witness or experience in our daily lives. The flip side of that is the witch's focus on friendships. Even if Geralt was routinely exploring the dark side of human nature and alternating between dour impassivity and ironic distance, he was warmed by the friends who surrounded him. To this day, says Stepien of the development team. I have fond memories of Old Friend of Mine, a quest which culminated with the get-together at Shani's house. That's a quest that I think really manages to capture the spirit of Sapkowski's prose, a spirit that's hard to capture in a computer game because it assumes an almost complete lack of action. No enemies, none of the challenges players are used to having in a quest. But we managed to produce something successful and had a good time doing it. I think I still have the uncut version of that quest somewhere, where there's at least three times as much dialogue as you saw in that quest in the game. So the source novels uh, kicked off in Poland in 1992 and the English translations only started to arrive in the same year as this game, 2007. Uh, Also from the Rock Paper Shotgun interview, uh, Boris Pogats muraskiewicz the lead writer for the English edition of the game, explained the grim conflict-ridden monster-infested world wherein life is tenuous and war, the prospect of it are ever present. Arguably, this is a reflection of centuries of Polish and northern eastern European history. Poland and much of eastern Europe consists of vast plains across which, over the centuries, armies have marched repeatedly in one direction or another, and the associated imagery seems indelible to us burning villages, soldiers taking down border barriers and markers, planting new posts to mark out conquered territory, refugees streaming across the landscape. Uh, So there is an early... Uh, movie adaptation from 2001 with the alternative translation so the original uh, spelling of the witcher in polish is w-i-e-d-z-m-i-n i don't know what the pronunciation is but the witcher is something of an anglicized translation hence the slightly confusing name and another version is the hexer uh, somebody who removes hexes which makes sense so this 2001 polish film has anyone had a look at this
1: seen it (laughs) i've seen uh, the trailer for it which looks um (laughs) it it looks quite low budget and rough yeah i have to have to say yeah
0: yeah so 3.6 out of 10 from punters on the internet movie database uh is possibly not worth pursuing especially now that we have we believe i I think is it netflix making a witcher
1: series yes um I I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but it sounds like it's going to be a CG animated TV series because uh the people who are signed on board are actually the same people who've done some of the... uh, The kind of trailer, you know, the CG trailers Mm. for The Witcher games and and stuff like that. So that's the prevailing fear, either that or there's just going to be, you know, lots of heavy CG use in a live action show. But I think it's a fair I think it's a a reasonable guess that it's going to be an animated show.
0: Okay, and we don't know yet whether it's going to
2: uh, translate the source material directly or extend um, out from the games or i think i read something about the the writer having much more input on the the tv show than yes the games. he's because he's from what i understand uh, he's not very happy with how the games played out so um, i believe that's true yeah. yeah so i think he's he's he seems at least excited about uh, the tv show OK,
0: so uh, with all that said, I think it's worth sort of setting the scene as regards to this at the start of because we're going to be doing three more podcasts about The Witcher, but it will allow us to purely talk about uh, the games when it comes to those sequels. Uh, there are other adaptations of The Witcher as well, a card game, board game. There's also a digital version of that and a tabletop RPG. Some of these are, are very recent, I believe. From our forum again, canarince.com slash forum. This is correspondent Mauricio M.M who says, What's a bit unusual about my experience with this game series is the way it came to my attention. A couple of screenshots from The Witcher 2. It wasn't the book series. I knew nothing about author Andrzej Sapkowski back then. It wasn't the somewhat little press it had. All I knew about CD Projekt Red, the developers of of this game saga, is that they specialised in localising games for Poland. It wasn't even word of mouth. It was just two screenshots from the second game. Those images had the right amount of information and, at the same time, mystery, to make me want to start the saga from its humble and intriguing beginnings. I might have thought at the time that its ugly graphics, badly designed UI, unfriendly controls, terrible animations, and some apparently tacky, fabioesque elements, just look at Geralt and some of the ladies in the game, lol, should have been enough to uninstall it and forget about it. However, as I got through each chapter, the game kept absorbing me with its narrative, its characters and its unique setting. Medieval fantasy with strong Slavic elements that I just couldn't give up on it. Granted, the storyline itself wasn't the best thing I'd experienced in video games, but its addictive skill levelling system, the way the story was told, its Eastern European flavour, its landscapes and scenery, its quiet folkloric music, its interesting atmosphere and quests. Chapter 4 is the epitome of the whole Witcher experience. Some of the monster's design and even some of its sense of humour made me appreciate it like no other video game at the time. This game ultimately felt like, as they said in Casablanca, the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Just don't get me started on the way they handled sex and romance, okay? I strongly recommend reading Sapkowski's Witcher book saga, especially before playing the video games. Despite some artistic license from the writers at CDPR, the game isn't an official sequel of the books to begin with. There are still some cool tie-ins to events and characters in the books. Plus, they are truly great works of fantasy literature with superb writing uh sean josh have you dabbled in the books or the audio books or even the graphic novels which i understand exist
1: i've i've done the um the wikipedia kind of um search Synopsis. through the, the, the stories just to get some more background on the characters sure. and stuff like that but i haven't properly sat down and read any of these novels
0: yeah, so I know um, Jay will be joining us for uh, the uh, the later games in the series. Uh, he uh, he has a Mac, so I suppose theoretically he could have played this, but he Jay is, as much as he loves games at the time, he is not one for going back and playing older games. <laughs> he absolutely can't <laughs> handle it. Um, so, but he is very much uh, invested in the uh, in the uh, the extended law, So he he's in a better position than any of us on this podcast to comment on the quality or or sensitivity of adaptation. Um, And as Sean says, uh, Sapkowski himself has made comments to this effect. So he's obviously a bit more qualified than we are anyway. So we're really talking about uh, the the game experience. Uh, So Atari actually distributed this outside of Poland or possibly even inside Poland. Uh, one thing i did want to say is uh, another thing that jay's sorting out for us is uh he has a, a polish friend contact who is going to help us out with some of the pronunciations uh we did send a list of of things uh his way but it was quite late in the week and uh, we haven't got those back yet so i really apologize for any uh murdering of polish pronunciations uh it's obviously uh they it's a slavic uh, language uh which has more in common with Cyrillic than the standard uh latin english alphabet um, Um, And so sometimes letters are not pronounced in the way that in which uh, I'm used to them being pronounced so it can lead to some uh, some horrible manglings uh, as as I've heard uh, when people have explained to me how things are supposed to have been said so I really apologise especially to our our Polish listeners uh, and the developers should they listen in, I know sometimes they do uh, but I, I believe that the producer's name is Matthias Kanik, that's the pronunciation uh, as given in Rock Paper Shotgun, uh, who says you have to remember that back around 2005 to 2007 we were really Young, really inexperienced, even outright naive, in that we thought we could accomplish anything. What's more, we actually believed we had the know-how to do it. In hindsight, I honestly have to say we were wrong. Wow! So this was made on the Bioware Aurora engine of Neverwinter Nights and Neverwinter Nights Two, um, but certainly it's uh, it's I think it's an extension of the engine that I'm familiar with from Star Wars: Nights of the Old Republic and obviously that was about three or four years before this in terms of release uh and i think in terms of a slightly more recent game that came three or four years later that uh that it reminded me of would be dragon age origins in a lot of ways in terms of the way that you interact with the uh with the world way the combat's handled the fact that it's very much mouse and key driven it's uh it's menus with little items in it and uh it's, it's very classic pc rpg in lots of regards uh this was yeah. It was made in an era when that was the obvious platform to make a game like this on. Uh, there was going to be a console version. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but this came out on PC and Mac. 2007 was reviewed by 55 outlets and scored 81.57%. A year later, the Enhanced Edition was released, also known as the Director's Cut in some territories. Uh, depending on which version you get, you may... Uh, experience some censorship but you can patch that out uh, and the version that's on good old games now is the uh, enhanced edition but it is also the director's cut i think so it's it's uncensored anyway if you need to see pictures of breasts and some uh, polygon modeled naked ladies they're they're here for you uh, yeah so the uh, the enhanced edition reviewed slightly better 86 percent from fewer outlets. Uh, the significant changes were over 200 new animations, additional NPC models, and having played the Enhanced Edition, that's a frightening thought that there were even fewer in the, uh, <laughs> in the original game. Uh, recoloring of generic NPC models, so. Yeah, so, it, yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> as well as monsters, uh, expanded and corrected dialogues in translated versions, improved stability, redesigned inventory <laughs> system, and load times reduced by roughly 80%.
2: Jeez, Louise.
0: Uh, loaded, yeah, loading times were near instantaneous for me in, in, in the enhanced yeah. edition from yeah, a solid-state drive.
2: Yeah, same here. And, and I, I, we're also benefiting from computers in this year. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. You know.
0: I say near instantaneous. You may be looking at two, three seconds right, yeah, per yeah. transition, depending. It Sometimes it would store areas in RAM. Uh, but, yeah, no, no issues in that regard. I'm very, ha- very happy to have played it <laughs> ten years on and yeah. in enhanced form based on, based on that. Uh, in addition, all bugs are said to be fixed. <clears throat> and the game manual completely overhauled. Uh, There are also two new adventures to play through, Side Effects and the Price of Neutrality, uh, which are available from the menu, and I I didn't actually remember to go back and look at, and probably ran out of time anyway. Mm. Uh, uh, User reviews, away from the critic reviews, uh, are slightly more positive. So on IMDb, it has an 8.9, and on Metacritic, it has an 8.8, so people feel quite affectionate. Uh, towards this game. So, a lot of people have mentioned a console version. Sean, I think you hoped, you were hoping this would happen to mm-hmm. save mm-hmm. wrangling with mouse and keys and <laughs> yeah. things like yeah. that. Uh, Leah mentioned it yesterday uh, in Kane and Rint's uh, Slack channel. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, th- I was unaware of this or I'd forgotten, but in November 2008, there was a video released um, and in December, CD Projekt Red confirmed that it was coming to PS3 and 360 released as Witcher Rise of the White Wolf The Witcher Rise of the White Wolf. Uh it had been built from the ground up for widescreen games Da Vinci engine and featured a host of differences uh, which it absolutely would have to uh we were Sean was asking about controller mods and and my feeling was just that it would be so fundamentally uh <laughs> different that they would have had to
2: rebuild it which is exactly what the plan was. Yeah. I I I ended up I did use a steam controller for this but we'll get on to that. Oh, later. okay, Steam yeah. controller, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, well, that—that's
0: something you can do with Steam controllers. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. It, it wouldn't really work with an
2: Xbox no, controller, not <laughs> I don't think. No,
0: not uh, so the game featured new interface, redesigned boss battles, new music, a smattering of new models, redesigned character development system, uh, a new action-oriented combat system uh, with better AI, uh, additional motion capture, uh, and. Uh, actual defensive interaction so a lot of the things that we came to see in the sequels uh, which obviously were uh, made also with console in mind Uh, although I'd say Witcher 2 was still fairly PC heavy it fully supports 360 uh, controls and it came to 360 uh, Mm -hmm. like a year later Uh, unfortunately in April 2009 the production of the game was halted due to late payments uh, to widescreen games, so that's that was widescreen game story that they weren't getting paid. But then CD Projekt Red said that they stopped paying widescreen because they weren't meeting their deadlines, and that their technical incapability created a risk of missing planned quality, uh, which is sort of euphemistic for they weren't very good and they were slow. Yeah, so it's a shame that never happened. Uh, maybe someday we'll get the full trilogy in some on some amazing future platform uh, all in the same engine and all wonderful but we, we shall see i think there would also be issues with the game uh, itself now in terms of the you know you would have to re basically rewrite it re-record all the dialogue <laughs> you know it it'd would be, have be to be a, a full ground-up remake thing, would so, yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so our histories with this particular game then the witcher one uh, and yeah i suppose it's relevant if you have played the sequels already as well josh
1: yeah. Yeah, so, um... I was aware of this game all the way back in um, 2007, but I, di- I didn't have a gaming PC at the time. Um, I couldn't afford one. I was 17. So I-, I stuck with my 360, and stuff like Mass Effect was coming out around that time as well. So I was pretty much happy with that. And the you know the fountain of great games that were coming out that year because of Bioshock and uh, Super Mario Galaxy and all of that lot. The orange so this- box. Yeah, and the, oh god, yeah, and the Iron oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> too many, too many <laughs> games came out that <laughs> was, year. Always, was always years good. with the seven in, yeah. yeah. There <laughs> um, So yeah, um, so this ended up passing me by, and then. The Witcher Two came out on PC, and I remember um, Vinny Caravella uh, Mm -hmm. from uh, Giant Bomb was a big advocate for this game, saying, "Look, it's it's really like the writing's really good." He ended up becoming a big fan of the novels. He ended up reading a lot of the books and said, "Look, guys, don't let this. I know it's you know PC exclusive, and it's kind of traditionally seen as like this hardcore PC title, but don't let this pass you by." So I end you know i had a bit more money at the time and i decided you know what i'm gonna invest in a gaming pc and the witcher 2 was one of the first games i bought alongside that gaming pc and it ended up being like the game that i tested the machine out on to see what it was capable of and yeah i i really enjoyed my time with the witcher 2 um i I, I don't think that game's flawless. Um, I'm sure you'll get onto that uh, in the later podcast, but there was enough there to impress me, and and the just the the world is enough was enough to kind of grip me. Just the really grounded tone of um, of the world of the world and the storytelling just being about kind of peasants and people rather than always being about the lords and the Kings was something that I found really compelling. And it's something that continues, um, into the Witcher free. um, and then yeah uh, uh 2015 rolls around and the witcher 3 comes out and the witcher 3 is uh, j- i uh, it's brilliant like you everyone listening to this has heard uh, numerous podcasts numerous reviews going on and on about the witcher 3 being spectacular and i pretty much line up with all of those opinions and so yeah i i just kind of decided um that I was never really going to go back to The Witcher 1, just because everything I'd seen of, you know, video footage and stuff like that, it looked really rough. And I was kind of happy to just kind of get a plot, like a, quick plot synopsis off of wikipedia and then enjoy the the later entries in the series but then uh the prospect of covering it on cain came up and i and i was intrigued by the prospect of getting a history lesson on this <laughs> series so yeah i signed up
0: yeah, absolutely. We like to we like to go back to the start when we can and when it doesn't seem completely uh impossible to do. And also the the main reason I wanted to do it from my own personal point of view was because on the PC version it you roll your save over into into The Witcher 2. So mm. story choices, I don't know how much effect it's going to have yet because I haven't properly started, but the first thing you do in The Witcher 2 is if you want, is import a save from The Witcher one. So there's obviously going to be some threads which which go back in a, in the style of Mass Effect.
2: So mm-hmm. so that's something. Uh, Sean, how about you and The Witcher? Um, I had never heard of the series until uh, Witcher two came out, and and similar to Josh, I heard um, Vinny. a a giant bomb just waxing poetic about it nonstop and jeff canada over at um we can confirm also was just hearing both of them at the same time going off about this game was uh was promising so um i didn't have a pc at the time so I, i when the 360 version came out i played it for about maybe an hour or so and um something about it i don't know it just didn't grab me so i never really uh paid too much attention to it afterwards and then yeah, 2015 rolls around. Richard three comes out and all the rave reviews hit and I go and put like, I don't know, 60, 50 something hours in the game, just like everybody else. And I I don't like that one as much as everybody else, but I, I did have a really good time with it. So um, when the prospect of this one came around, I said, sure, yeah, why not? I'll, I'll give the first one a go and, and see, see if there's anything from the first game that I liked in the third game. So um, we'll get on to the answer being no for me, but, uh, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Mm.
0: So I hadn't played the Witcher two properly. I played it for, uh, a, just an hour to look at it on my PC when I set it up back in, 2013, just to you know, see how the graphics looked. Uh, similarly, uh, I played a little bit of The Witcher Three, very small amount. And actually, I know people who have bounced off of these games, but I think the reason that I put them aside was because I wanted to uh, to do it all, do it properly, or not at all. And uh, so I, yeah, I decided I wanted to go back and, and start at the very beginning because I knew that although. I knew that the, the Witcher was the start, and it was the lowest budget one, and it was kind of probably likely to be the most uh, cranky and problematic in some ways. Uh, I still, I remember it being, you know, I, I knew that the review scores were decent. I knew that there was a there there was something worth seeing there, and also that safe game thing tying through. I I need to know how how well that works or or it doesn't for myself. And, And I felt like I would get the most out of The Witcher 3, even if it doesn't have a massive effect on the events of The Witcher 3 and, and of course it won't because uh, we know from The Walking Dead and Mass Effect that it's impossible <laughs> to do that yeah, yeah. Uh, because for obvious reasons. However it, there may be little notes and references and, and things and, uh, and Dragon Age as well did that as well in, in, in its own way so it's something I like and uh, yeah and it just seemed to make sense and yeah big also got a PC that can now run obviously The Witcher Enhanced Edition at absolutely maximum and it was interesting to see how it looks compared to uh, its successors. Uh, we'll come on to that um in fact we'll come on to it now well first we'll talk on we'll talk on a technical level um so yeah i suppose that do, that does include i'm talking in the sense of sort of how they measure up uh compared to the state of the art today but also uh we're also going to talk about Uh, your experience as regards to uh, bugs and glitches and crashes. So this is a PC conversation. uh, None of us played the Mac version, but I assume issues are probably similar. And also it's a PC game. So your mileage may vary wildly depending on your PC, your graphics card and whatever else. Um, My experience was that I could, by cranking everything up to maximum, I could make it look all right in some areas. (laughs) And uh and i i'd say actually the last couple of areas in the game the lakeside and uh, the field and the final final area in the epilogue the snowy mountain actually look all right you know they're yeah. quite nice quite yeah. quite pretty not stunning certainly not <laughs> right. up sure. to current graphics uh standards but not not harsh on the eye but some of, some of the game i'd say is quite rough looking yeah uh, absolutely. even even cranked up to maximum, in terms of of low polys, but it's also it's it's in the movement and and it's particularly in things like cutscenes where people's hair is glitching around. Like, did you get this? Yeah, where people's yeah. beards are like uh, uh, just like having epileptic fits and, and hair is <laughs> yeah. bouncing around and all this stuff. It's like classic PC bug stuff, but um, it really does uh, not help aid immersion.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, we we talk about it not being you know up to standard, you know, up to today's standards. But I, you know, to be fair, I don't think it was up to then standards either. Because you think it's 2007, we've got you know Half Life Two, Episode Two, you've got Mass Effect, you've got BioShock, um, yeah. even stuff like like even stuff like Super Mario Galaxy, which is you know <laughs> technically on a less powerful machine looks. A thousand times more more uh, visually appealing than um, yeah. I mean, it's a weird does. comparison, but yeah, I, I totally, I totally get what you are saying. Yeah, and and a lot of it is not it's not to do with horsepower or like the capacity of the you know the engine they're working with. A lot of it is just kind of craft. Like there's an inconsistency in the art direction in this game that's that really bothered me. So you got you've got characters like um, Geralt. And Trish and uh, uh, what's the doctor called? I've forgotten Shani. her name. Uh, yes, uh, Shani. Um, and they look kind of—they look fine. Like they look like older PC title characters. Who, yeah they're in an older engine then you have people like the rev you know the revenant um the reverend sorry and zoltan who who just look like bizarro alien creatures from another world like their their eyes are like yeah. we, like zoltan's eye he's, he's like in a constant state of shock oh it's just really odd it's really inconsistent it doesn't feel like a you know a professional quality um it's odd
2: Yeah, the Reverend honestly looks like an alien. Like, he just has a beard. That's the only, like, recognizable uh, human feature to his his model.
0: Yeah, and then outside of the the main players, you've got uh, the character models and we're told we we all played the version with more character models in but like the merchant character model is like they made <laughs> yeah. him so distinctive if there was just one of him you could go okay that's quite a funny sort of caricature of an overweight uh merchant who's doing very well for himself but there are about six of him in every town <laughs> it's just yeah. Yeah. and i know that some of how, which are like quest characters yeah. yeah that's it i mean that's a problem in itself in that sometimes it's very hard to tell who is a character that's worth speaking to, and who isn't. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. You can highlight them, but the colours seem to be inconsistent, and uh, yeah, to which they're yeah. indicated with, and stuff like that. Sometimes, sometimes uh, quest tracking is is a bit flaky. So sometimes it's really good, yeah. I think, and then other times it's like, well, you can't track that one, or it's just going to tell you to go back to this <laughs> yeah. location, even though you need yeah. to actually talk to these guys who are in a completely different part of town, stuff like that. And I think maybe that's actually designed to sort of make the player do some thinking instead of just following of the, it, sure. following mm-hmm. the markers but mm-hmm. uh yeah and we should say it's also i mean for those who have played i haven't played the other games but i know the witcher is uh three is like a huge open world right yeah mm-hmm. yeah? yeah and the witcher one is not the witcher one is way more like i know i know i keep referring to it but it makes sense to me and hopefully a lot of a lot of people play dragon age origins um but it has these sort of fairly uh, restricted separate separate areas that have um tran- you know transitional points some are some areas are larger than others as as you go through the game you you come into some slight somewhat more expansive areas and it feels walking around the fields later in the game it feels like you're actually having something of an adventure um but yeah (laughs) i i think uh, i think partly you're i think what you're saying is is true josh partly it's just a young studio with limited resources and probably talents at this stage but i think part of it is the engine um and i'm not saying that there wasn't more they could have done but thinking about it again i remember when we did our dragon age origins podcast years ago when the game was already a few years old that game looked pretty rough as well in the same engine uh, for for a triple a product you know
1: Yes, I, I agree with you. But I think the difference for me is that Dragon Age's look is at least consistent. Like, the characters all feel oh, yes. like they were made by the same art director or uh, art team. Yes, right. whereas. With The Witcher, it feels like you've got an A-team, a B-team, a and a Z-team working, on, uh, working on all these different characters. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, just like, you know, like Kolkstein, for example... Like he doesn't fit. Like he doesn't look like he should be in that game. Like he's the only character who looks that way. Like this weird, elongated horse face.
0: Yeah, he's like one of Zelda Zelda's weirdo characters or something like that. That that said, and and again, I agree with all this. But uh, I think. Although there's some very clunky transitions, I think there's some quite nice animations in the game again for the time there are there are also some problems with mm-hmm. uh, gest- uh, gesticulation not being very natural and stuff like that, but actually some of the motion sure, capture yeah. for the combat and stuff I think is pretty cool, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah some of
2: the sword fighting looks all right, but i think I think that's kind of where it stops for me is the the sword fighting I think looks okay, but as as far as you're talking about gesticulations like when people are just having conversations like for some reason. Like f- multiple times throughout a conversation, every character that you're talking to will ha- has to look at the sky. Like they all just kind of look up, <laughs> yeah. and look, like and hold their arms out, and like it's not you to do that I, when you're I, talking. I've never met you in a it. <laughs> <so. laughs> uh,
0: and the other thing for me, and I, I think we we've, we've cross-referenced on this crashes, uh, not yeah, yeah. not completely epidemic. Like not no. not every. Not necessarily every session, even certainly not mm-hmm. like every few rooms, but enough to make me nervous all the time. Enough to the <laughs> point that I was yeah. Yeah. fiving, and this game keeps. Th- this game is pretty good about keeping rolling saves and keeping multiple saves, but you can end up with dozens and dozens and dozens of saves. And because you get nervous about the crashes, you start fiving all the time. And because of the difficulty, <laughs> the, these games are always like this. I found this with other games in this engine, uh, and the sort of way that these sort of non-action RPGs work is that you can... If you go into the wrong fight unprepared, you just get wiped, Mm. yeah? That's how these games, PC RPGs, work. So you're quick saving for all the time because you're nervous about the next encounter. You don't know whether it's just going to take you out. You're nervous about the game crashing. So actually I came away from several sessions of this with a real pain in my right shoulder because I'd been getting more and more tense um, about playing the game. And that isn't a good way to come away from, Hmm. to feel
2: come away from. Well, yeah, I think tension because of difficulty or because of like fear of, 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 fights in the game is one thing but f- tension because of like technical difficulty is, is completely different yeah a tadinho
0: from the forum on this subject says the technical side of the game is a bit of a mess i still remember constant bugs and crashes while playing the terrible animations and graphics and that even at the time looked awful Uh, But on the flip side, Rob Zachney of Rock Paper Shotgun says one of the unique things about The Witcher back in 2007 was the way it was brimming with lifelike details. I remember being floored when the skies opened up over a tiny village center and everyone started running for shelter, clustering under eaves and awnings while waiting for the storm to pass. And that. Mm, that resonated yeah. with me because playing, me too, playing yeah. Breath of the Wild recently, that was one of the first things I was moved to comment about to friends. Like, oh, have you been, have you been in a town when it's raining and everyone's, saying, and everyone's <laughs> huddling and saying it's raining? So The Witcher did it mm-hmm. 10 years ago. So fair play to mm-hmm. them. Uh, but it obviously, because it doesn't look as authentic and obviously Breath of the Wild is very stylized. Um, but because the graphics are a little bit, you know, sketchy, it doesn't quite have the same effect, but I think it's worth acknowledging that they were attempting things that were ambitious and perhaps hadn't
2: been done. Similarly, like with day and night cycles, there's way more people outside during the day than there is at night. Yeah, they definitely... I kind of like that too. It's a nice touch. Yes, uh, Conrad
0: Tomaskiewicz says, since Bioware's engine didn't support large in-game communities, we had to create our own tools that would let us generate populations that would be satisfactory in size and follow a daily life cycle. It wasn't easy, but ultimately we managed to produce something that truly resembled a living world where folk had their jobs and lifestyles. They'd leave their homes in the morning, visit the local tavern after work to unwind, then go home mm. to their families come evening. Merchants would hawk their wares, guardsmen would patrol Vizima's back streets. So yeah, and this was mm. one year after Oblivion, uh, the Elder Scrolls, so for so uh, the, the development probably would have overlapped. So even though some of that was in Oblivion, I think um, this would have been... Uh, they would have been probably unaware of that. I don't know what. Uh, I think Morrowind perhaps did some of that as well. So that goes back even further.
1: I, I think that's that's something I want to focus on briefly. Is um, and and this is something that gets stronger as the series goes along. Is the team's focus on making sure there's a world outside of your adventure Mm. um just like having proper farms having proper towns and proper villages not just having buildings that are useful for the player to go in but actually fleshing Mm. out the city and and fleshing out the stuff and uh, you know it's impressive here it's just incredible later on um like the Witcher Three creates cities that I just have not seen in any other RPG of this ilk. Uh, it's incredible, mm. and I just think that that is something um, that kind of gives this game an edge for me. Uh, like I would otherwise have just kind of stopped playing this, but like there there mm. is something compelling about just the day-to-day routines of all these people and knowing that they like they will go to the pub in the afternoon in the evening like they have recreation time they're not just always chopping wood (laughs) and always like doing their job they have lives outside of their occupations and that's 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 really that's a great world building Mm -hmm. touch that makes me a little bit more attached to this world than i would be otherwise sure Mm -hmm another element that may or may not help wed you to the world is the music,
0: which is perhaps uh, less sort of uh, limited by the game's age, this already being 2007. We're in a world of, you know, lavish soundtracks, so Adam Skoropka mm-hmm. and Pavel Blaschak worked on this one. And uh, I think there are some really, really nice pieces in here. Um, yeah. It grew on me as the game went on. I think there's, there's a, a certain amount of schizophrenia, sometimes pieces sound like they're from a different game altogether I think that as as with the art I think there's a perhaps a a lack of thematic consistency but obviously I realise that's also there's a point to that in in some cases but it's it's interesting there's no um there's not necessarily a consistent sort of um, theme audio-wise, in the mm-hmm. sense that you might have a didgeridoo in one piece and then a guitar in the next, and then a <laughs> choir, and then yeah. and then some sort of uh, African-sounding drums, and, and it's all a bit kind of mishmash and higgledy-piggledy. But there's definitely yeah. some some you know some attractive stuff in there. I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. This is by far my favorite part of this game. Is I think the I think the music's just, yeah, super evocative and really um, impressive. Except for there is one track towards the end where there's like, I don't know why there's like kind of like an electric guitar, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind yeah, of like a metal yeah. riff underneath all of it. And that, yeah, yeah, and it really stands out and just doesn't really fit. But uh, for the most part, I think um, I found like just traverse, because you're traversing the world so often, there's, you know, we'll get on to a point where there's no fast travel. Um, so you're just constantly running around. But the music at least helped me get along with that. So this game takes place in
0: the year twelve seventy, somewhere. <laughs> Is this meant to be Earth? I don't even know. Uh it's it's the it's five years after the end of the Great War. Uh we are primarily primarily concerned with the Kingdom of Temeria and the capital Vizima. Uh the plot involves uh Machinations between the Order of the Flaming Rose and the Tell, the Knights versus the Squirrels, and so this is really uh, this. You know, this is perhaps the where the game is potentially at its most interesting. How it handles it yeah. all, uh, I think it. I think it fades in and out of, of success in this regard, but it's certainly trying something in terms of putting you in a position of an agent who exists between these two uh, sects. You've got the knights who are very righteous uh, and they believe in protecting the people regardless of of the cost. And then you have the squirrels, the Scoia'tael, who are the non-humans who feel uh, that they are being... uh, discriminated against and being given a a less fair deal by society uh, and they've been driven to the point that they felt that they have no other option than to attack to fight back and so therefore of course in the minds of many people and the order they are terrorists Uh, but if you go and speak to the non-humans and and the elves and the dwarves and whoever else uh, they will tell you that they have been dealt a, a bad hand so a lot of your your time in this game is spent making decisions as to who to assist at any particular time. And ultimately you have to make a commitment to one side
2: or the other, uh, which we'll come to in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. This, this whole back and forth between, uh, or just all the politics between all these characters was honestly way more, uh, um, interesting to me than the the A line story of the salamanders stealing uh, the potions or whatever from yeah. the yeah. Witches like that 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 whole storyline to me like honestly at points I honestly forgot that that was the <laughs> yeah. main plot yeah. of the story like, that's I just that we the MacGuffin
0: just, to get yeah. you moving isn't it the, the, yeah. the right. yeah, we should yeah. say in the, in the prologue uh, the Salamandra a uh, couple of characters Azar Javed and the Professor uh, come and uh, steal the the all important Witches secrets which Apparently are important, but you never actually you you, you, <laughs> right, you never yeah. actually find out what they are. You get them yeah. right at the very end. But yes, you're you're absolutely right. This, 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 this that's why I've gone straight to it because it immediately right, exactly. seemed more <laughs> yeah. yeah more pertinent.
1: Hmm. I mean, I, for me, this kind of um, you know, the the most of the Witcher books are short story collections, and 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 for me, it felt like the Salamandra was simply this kind of backbone to a series of short stories that they wanted to tell and part of that was this you know this conflict between the squire tell but also you've got the lovecraftian goings-on in the swamp um, mm-hmm. you've got the um, conflict between um, the village and the fish people that I've forgotten the name of <laughs> um, and then you've got that story of the you know the the ghosts and trying to you know let them right, go yeah. to people. That's the that's the interesting stuff, isn't it? The the short stories, those little tales that you know Geralt gets involved with, whereas this kind of overarching plot, like the villains, are not really that interesting at all. They're just kind of stereotypical mustache twirling bad guys, and yeah, and and it's it's useful as a driving force, but it's not the reason to play this game. Hmm. So,
0: uh, Geralt is your character. Apparently that wasn't necessarily always going to be the case. Uh, Geralt of Rivia, the White Wolf, the uh, the main character in the books, I guess. Amnesiac, after trying to protect the people of Rivia, and was stabbed for his trouble in the books, uh, this is where it is believed that Geralt dies, although it's left ambiguous. In the games, Geralt can't remember how he survived. He regains some of his memory in this game, and regains the rest in The Witcher 2. And uh, so, how he survived and why he lost his memory is explained in that game. Uh, according to IMDB Trivia, with the character of Geralt of Rivia apparently meeting his death in the last installment of Subkovsky's book series, Lady of the Lake, the game creators were initially undecided if he would be the protagonist of the games, which are meant as sequels to the novels. An early concept was to allow the player to create his own Witcher, while at a different time the hero was supposed to be a young Witcher named Berengar. In the end, the writers realised that the Geralt character was too iconic and indissolubly tied to the franchise to be excluded from the games and reintroduced him as suffering from a mysterious form of amnesia so that he would get to rediscover to to the Witcher world alongside the player. Berengar still appears in the game as a supporting character. And we've mentioned some of the other characters. Perhaps uh, they'll come up again as we uh, talk a little bit about... uh, the chapters so yes that prologue uh, you are at uh, the old sea fortress which are headquarters and the salamandra steal those uh, all-important witcher secrets uh, which is what gets you moving into uh, into town as it were uh, but you get uh, you get waylaid by uh, a witch hunt and uh, the, the the aforementioned reverend um my notes regarding this involve the boss fight being absolutely horrendous. Yes. Uh, (laughs) A total cheese fest. The only way I could work out to beat it was to uh go into a corner take every potion that i could without poisoning myself and <laughs> yeah. uh and it was a basically a war of attrition and i understand that this is something uh something that returns in other witcher games and this is why i think people bounce off of each chapter is that they start off much harder than they end up in, in a lot of ways yeah. <laughs> uh we talk about the final boss but um it it seems it, there's often a point in rpgs i know where you kind of you break its back as it were where you get enough abilities together you you sort your skill tree out but sometimes they're not very good at uh managing the earlier enemies so that you're you're actually tough enough and if you haven't gone down the exact right ability paths it can be a very challenging Situation that you're in. Now, I understand this being a PC game. You can actually go into the INI uh, files and alter your stats if you get completely stuck. Plus, you've got all those rolling saves so you can make different decisions about which talents to uh, spend and that sort of thing. But uh, I decided to see it through with a bit of, yeah, cheesing, quick saving and, uh, yeah, and blatant potent potion abuse. But that said, this actually as terrible as that was, this fight against this uh, demon dog id monster, uh, it did start to bring it home what I was going to need to do for the rest of the game to yeah. to do fights. So I, we, one thing I didn't ask you guys was, I, I played this on normal. There are three difficulty settings. It says easy is, you know, easy is the old, do you just want to enjoy the story kind of thing. Normal is you're you'll probably want to focus on alchemy and making potions and hard is you're going to need to think about every single micro decision you make kind of thing. So I I went for the middle one because I I felt like I wouldn't enjoy the game as much if I didn't have to even think about what potions I was using and stuff because I'd read enough or heard enough about The Witcher to know that part of the deal with The Witcher (laughs) is that you're concocting and quaffing these potions before and during fights and it's not a game... This is one thing I thought was interesting. It's not a game where you can just spam, 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 spam healing potion. It doesn't work like that. You start off with potions that only heal you very slowly, and if you take too many of them, you poison yourself. Uh, I thought that's a really, really cool mechanic. I'm not sure it's the first game that's done it, but I thought it makes it more interesting. It's just a, it's just a shame that I had to learn it with this god-awful boss fight. <laughs>
2: Um, well for me, I, I, I did start on, well, okay. So it's my difficulty, um, adventure here, uh, starts with, uh, for me, I haven't played a game on mouse and keyboard. I've mentioned this a couple of times now on the show, but since Diablo two, um, when it came out. So it's been a long time, <laughs> Right, I've just been using controllers. Okay. So when the when it came up here that, you know, I had to use mouse and keyboard. Um I tried for a little bit and then I was like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna finally use the steam controller that I bought once and never used. So yeah. um so I I I put that on and there's a there's a decent mod for it um out there. Uh it doesn't I don't think it was able to use everything. Uh like I never was able to use a torch. I had to use a cat version all the time. Um right. But uh so I started on normal with the uh, steam controller and it was okay for the most part until we got to this fight and I died. I don't even know how many times I died during this fight. Yeah. It was way too many times. So I felt that my, I, I was like, all right, I'm not having any fun whatsoever with this combat. Like I don't like, I, I appreciate that it's, it's cool that you have to prepare for battles and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I just, I, the combat in general for me is just a, a total bomb. So I was like, "All right, I'm only here for the story. That's the only reason I'm here. So I'm, I'm going to start over on easy." Uh, so I did. I, I just I restarted the game entirely and um, uh, played through those cr- a few opening hours again and got to that boss fight. And it took me two tries. I still died, but um, yeah, uh, it was it was at least as 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 it says in the tin. It was easier. So hmm. uh, yeah, so I ended up playing the rest of the game on easy and still died a, a fair amount of times. So. Right.
0: I feel better about myself. So, uh, yeah, I stuck with normal all the way through, and I'm, I'm quite pleased with myself. There you go. But And I feel like I probably did get extra satisfaction from being a badass by the later stages of the game. Uh, so, yeah, the final Azar Javed fight took me one go. I didn't die. And how many goes mm. did it take you, Sean?
2: yeah again I don't even know how many (laughs) it took me at least
0: about 10 (laughs) so I think yeah this is we're back to this idea that and obviously this is why we always talk about context firstly we're already we've already said that we're all playing this 10 years after it originally came out so we're not we're not experiencing it in the in the freshest way we're already hearing Mm -hmm. that it perhaps wasn't much of a looker or a performer back in 2007. So coming to it in 2017, after The Witcher 3 is obviously going to be, uh, and, you know, and other games, is going to be more mm-hmm. of a challenge. So I completely understand where you guys are coming from, but I I come back to the idea that, okay, it ended up taking me probably 20 more hours than it did you to actually play through, Sean. But I think by by the end... I was I felt really satisfied with the fact that I'd specced out this character in this particular way and that I could now I now knew how to deal with these monsters. I knew they, that they could kill me if I gave them enough chance, but I knew which style to switch to, which potions to take, which uh, signs to use and all this all the all the Witcher strategies and tactics that you need to survive in the late game on normal difficulty. See,
2: I can see that. But for me, also with the combat, I felt like it was, I don't know if if I was just doing something wrong, but it felt inconsistent. So, like, I would do, you know, the combat is you click on it once and you wait for that little flaming sword to pop up. You click on it again, you click on it again. And um, I swear, like, I would come up to the same monsters and... Fight them the way I fought them the last time, and he would swing and it would say miss. I was like, okay, great, swing and miss. And I, th- I like sometimes I it felt like it was, <laughs> it was registering me clicking something else at the time, so he'd start that running another happen. way, and I was like, this, yeah. That, that, and it was just yeah. driving me,
0: it was just driving me nuts. Yeah. Uh, as I say, it re- did you play Knights of the Old Republic? Because that that was no, the game which, no, uh, which kind of primed me for this, albeit it was mm-hmm. a long time ago, and and Dragon Age as well. It's uh, it's a completely different mindset, and it's probably just as well that mm. obviously I've played a ton of other video games, including some RPGs and action RPGs. But I think mm. the fact that I played those games, just a few mm. of those PC RPGs, you know, I didn't play Neverwinter or, or lots lots of the BioWare stuff or the D and D stuff. So I'm not I'm no expert, mm. but I played enough to know that there is I find something about this particular setup of kind of mouse clicking and uh stats that can Mm -hmm. be satisfying obviously the probably the closest thing you played is diablo uh but that's Mm -hmm. perhaps got less i don't know uh i I haven't played diablo 2 i've only played diablo 3 with the controller so we're kind of coming from the opposite sides but um but i did find that there was satisfaction i did find it was consistent in terms of as soon as a monster type appeared, I knew which uh, which style of fighting I needed, which sword I needed, which style uh, right, of, yeah. of fighting I need to be doing. If there was more than one, switch to group style, and that worked. And if they're surrounding you, switch to group, and you hit things all around you. And yeah. as I say, by later yeah. in the game, and you're coating your sword in... in you're etching it with, with rune markings. Oils and, and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and wiping it in oils and, and all this. And even though it, it's still all like often everything going on around you was a little bit messy and glitchy looking the witcher himself Geralt was like this really nicely fluidly animated whirling dervish Mm -hmm. of increasingly violent maneuvers which I did actually (laughs) find quite satisfying and there's I think there's a there's a bloodless version of this game as well the one that also is breastless um but this, this, the game's actually quite bloody, uh, and you're actually leaving sort of arcs of spray all over the battle mm-hmm. battle uh, landscape as you fight, and and all that. I found quite fun, as, as I say, in a similar way to, to Dragon Age. But having mm-hmm. said all that, I am looking forward to now playing the sequels in a more with a more contemporary setup.
2: Yeah, yeah, I do kind of wonder if if part of the, my problem is this. Or a problem in quotes, but uh, me coming from so many years of just console gaming and I think not being te- terribly familiar with RPGs of this sure. nature. And I, and I think it's, it's absolutely great that you're here, because
0: no doubt there'll be loads of people listening to this who would feel identically to you. Um, mm. Absolutely certain. Josh?
1: Like, I love the stance changes stuff. And part of me is actually kind of disappointed that they kind of just drop that entirely mm. for the later entries really? they go for a much more yeah they i mean you still have to you know change sword for, yeah. uh, depending on uh, the uh, enemy you're fighting so silver for monsters steel for humans but like the complexity of like this is a heavy enemy i'm going to take the heavy stance this is a lighter enemy i'm going to kind of take an out um and it, and it is just like the The witcher 2 is a lot simpler the, it's just mm. a kind of simple case of blocking light attack heavy attack m- m- a lot like you know most standard action rpgs but um, it it's quite tough though it is tough um the the the, comp- the depth comes from the preparation um with the the uh, the potions and stuff like that mm. and um kind of skillfully using your signs as well and understanding yeah. that certain monsters are weaker to certain uh, signs. The core of the combat here, again,
0: like those Bioware games that I've already mentioned several times, it's all about numbers so although there's an element of real time action, uh, actually think, if you're...
2: it's if, still if, some roll dice.
0: Yeah, it's rolling dice and if the yeah. combat, even if the monster looks far away from you if you are registered as in combat with it you can still be hitting each other kind of thing it's it's more of a it's it's more of a like a theoretical ludological representation of a fight than an actual action fight which obviously takes some getting used to but that said there are some physics here there's uh you know when i i really enjoyed the the finishing move. so my 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 signature thing as the game went on i really powered up my uh Ard sign yeah that yeah the- that's stunning yeah, and, hard, yeah. And so a lot of Combat sequences later on were charge up and let off Ard sign, which is like you know yeah. some kind of wind based hadouken, and <laughs> and the you know, the enemies you can kind of increase the range and arc of it, and enemies mm-hmm. then are standing there dizzy. Effectively, you just click on them then, and um, and Witcher executes one of uh, one of various uh, quite nicely motion captured brutal kills, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and I you know that I, that stayed satisfying for me, even though sometimes they were. A bit glitchy like you might be half in the ground or, <laughs> uh, or the transition would, would be yeah. a bit awkward but but i still yeah i was still getting pleasure out of that right up until the very last fight when i was uh blasting i'd powered up this sign so much that i was blasting the king of the wild hunt all around this arena just
2: like boom <laughs> boom stab him on the ground it was yeah i was definitely digging that did anyone here use any signs besides Arden and Axie? Like the, the the stun and fire. Like there's other three. I I never Ignis, found. Ignis fire. Uh, I used.
0: Oh, okay. well, I used uh, the second one. The name of which I've forgotten. Which is the kind of absorbing one. The shield type power.
1: Oh Quinn. Yeah. I Quinn. D- yeah. Yeah. I I I used that for the slower enemies that hit a bit harder. Um, but I just found I couldn't I couldn't trigger the spell quick yeah. enough with yeah. the the quicker enemies and 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 to be honest, once Igni's kind of fully upgraded, like it does a lot mm-hmm. of damage to especially the human and en- human enemies. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of damage, and towards the back half of that game, you are fighting a lot <laughs> of human <laughs> yeah, enemies yeah, mm. so, yeah.
0: yeah i didn 't really power up Igni until quite late in the game because i 'd focused on those others but uh, but then I did quite a bit, and yeah you, there were certain fights where I was starting. By fireballing group of them from a distance and waiting for them to to run over. So, but yeah, you know the fact that all that stuff's in there is is cool. But yes, it all feels a little bit um, quirky at times. It doesn't it, it it doesn't necessarily feel slick. Any of it. Like, yeah. It always feels yeah. like it could be going wrong there's there's a lack of information to the player like even the fact that absolutely the, yeah. the numbers uh mm-hmm. flying out of things are far too small and quick to be read so this like
1: right. most yeah. of the time yeah. so like when uh, you get you
0: get xp for killing a monster and it just
2: goes blink like on screen yeah. and it's gone in, in high <laughs> resolution you just don't even get to see it properly so yeah and and the, the little like health bar that's that the little health circle i guess i should say that that shows up underneath the monsters is okay Um, but I felt like there was no, again, coming (laughs) back to me, not really enjoying the combat, like the, the the feedback wasn't too, like, it kind of felt, um, I'm not really sure what the word is for it but so like you know how like yeah. when people talk about uh people uh, characters who walk around it looks like they're kind of skating yeah yeah on the ground rather than actual walking it felt like that with the sword fighting like I never felt like I was actually piercing the enemy okay. until until those those um there's that one execution move that's awesome where he like jumps towards him and s- puts the sword through his chest and then kind of like kind of saws upward yeah yeah like that was yeah. pretty sweet move but otherwise I never felt like I was really
0: Connecting. I know what you're saying. Were you playing with the sound on? Because I thought the combat sounds yeah. helped mm. sell that quite a lot. I thought the the the, the sword sounds yeah. and the and the the hacks and the slashes and the mm. cracks and the slicing
2: all sounded pretty sweet. Yeah, but mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> For me, I it I, I, I didn't really register that, that uh, impressive, okay. but. It also didn't help that the the the, the, um, the sounds that Geralt would make were really repetitive. So it was, huh! <sharp> yeah, <sharp> like <laughs> it just it, it, yeah. But whatever. Sign of the times, so I guess.
0: Yeah, I think I became numb to those yeah. after a while. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. when when you've opened up uh, sequences three and four, uh, it becomes uh, yeah quite comical how fast and repetitive he gets. But you know, I, I was getting I was getting a kick out of it. So, chapter two sees us in uh, more traditional uh, RPG locations such as dungeons, sewers, and slums, and an inn called the Hairy Bear and a swamp. This is where you learn the game of poker dice.
2: Did anyone play mm. any more poker dice than they had to? <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, I don't know why, but yeah, like <laughs> oh, okay, it's like it's like the only it's the only time I've it's played. Quite, um, surely. Well, see, that's the thing. I played zero Gwent in, in Witcher Three. I don't. I, I just, I, honestly, I don't. I don't know if it was the music and the aesthetics to me that, that I, for some reason, enjoyed the, uh, the poker in this. But I, I, and I guess it also helped that I was winning a lot. Like, I don't know. Maybe that was just like a good feedback system okay. for me, where like winning will help me enjoy anything. I guess I did not follow the poker quest line, poker dice. Oh, I didn't follow it to its end. I just I played. I feel like I played a lot more of it than I should have. <laughs> I did it
1: once and then stopped. Not your bag. Uh,
2: One thing I wanted to mention about
0: uh, this, as well as the... uh, (laughs) A couple of things about Ramsmeat, who is uh, one of the players in this chapter, King of the Underworld. Uh, One of the most comical voice performances. (laughs) So he sounds like... uh, Somebody from your neck of the woods, uh, (laughs) Sean, uh, uh, an Um, African-American. He sounds like... Who who is it? He sounds he sounds like like there's quite a few sort of character sound soundalikes uh, in this game. Like there's a Prince Charles and there's a uh, there's a Willem <laughs> Dafoe and and some of the names yeah. are, are bad puns as well. Like Raymond Marlowe Pi, not puns but sort of references. Um, sure. Ramsmeat sounds like he sounds a bit like he sounds like Chef out of South Park, but also. <laughs> somebody else, somebody, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but somebody more cr- like a criminal chef out of South Park. Uh, mm. and yeah, the, and the other thing about him is that, uh, this, this, and I know this is definitely not only a problem with the witcher. It is a problem with most RPGs still to this day. Uh, I went into Ramsmeet's house at some point. You have to get past the guards and say mm. a password and do a quest and bribe somebody and goodness knows what else. And you get in and you're in Ramsmeet's house with just you and Ramsmeet. And of course, what do you do? You just wander around the room picking through his steal all stuff, stealing yeah. all his stuff going through his wardrobe <laughs> taking his booze yeah. and his money like they, they go to all this effort of having people huddling from the rain but then nobody reacts right. when you steal their possessions pretty, I mean yeah. even even more absurdly the poor people when you're going into their house and you're saying is there anything yeah. I can do to help I'll, be, I'll help you by stealing all of your cheese <laughs> and bread
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah I mean that's, and, that's just like video games 101 you know totally all stuff there. It, and, and it's the it same with like, the health system ridiculous too ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that—that it, it, that was also just as ridiculous to me as the health system, where you have to, uh, you, you know, you, you, he just has a whole bunch of hams and, and wheels of cheese just stashed on his. He has no bags or anything <laughs> yeah. like that, so I don't know how this inventory system works. And there's virtually no point in eating food. Because it yeah, does so yeah, yeah. little it to your, do anything,
0: yeah. yeah, it does so little to your health. Like <laughs> the, you need to meditate, go to fires to get your health back in this game. Right, uh, there yeah. are some, there are healers, there are healing areas, healing circles. There's no healing spell. That's I don't think is mm-hmm. there. No. Um, so and and you can't just keep quaffing potions because resources are somewhat limited, somewhat finite, realistically. Because you need you need bottles of, of uh, liquor base potion to make them. You need herbs, uh, and you can't just keep chaining them anyway because as i say you poison yourself which again i really mm-hmm. like that i thought that balance of yeah, it's nice risk inventory reward. management and um and resource management was was good uh, but but yeah then you've got these yeah classic rpg nonsenses <laughs> <laughs> yeah so chapter three has uh various uh, the, I, I, this is where the 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 path commitment happens it's kind of halfway through the game uh there's an interesting subplot involving a werewolf uh who turns out to be uh, vincent may's captain of the city guard uh you can let him live and if so he'll help you later in the game which i thought was quite cool um and this yeah as i say this is where you ultimately commit to either siding with the order siding with the squirrels or Closest to the source material, apparently, is to be witch and neutral, which is to uh, help people in need and make your own decisions on individual circumstances, but not to actually align with any particular cause. And this leads us to the the, the, the choices and paths, the consequences throughout the game. I know this mainly from having to had sort of consult walkthroughs to uh, to make sure that I was on the right track with a time limit and all that sort of thing. Um, or to find out where I should be going because the the, the waypoint tracking had broken yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But I, I learned from that that actually there, there is a, a fair amount of... Um, consequence to the choices that you make in this game both in terms of how how you solve quests how you how you resolve things and also this choice that you make now ultimately you're still going to have the same showdown at the end with with some different text and some different uh, people showing up but actually there are things like depending on how you there's a secret armor quest which is well worth doing which uh, you can end up with one of three variations of this armor, depending on who forges it for you, and depending on decisions you've made and people you've helped earlier in the game. And there's quite a lot of knock-on effect, and it, it branches, you know, a few times. It's not obviously it's not insane, but again, given the size of the, the size and newness of the team, I, th- I think they were ambitious with some of this stuff. Now I know that the sequels go off fly off in this regard and and really go to town but i nevertheless even though it comes back to that one that one scenario showdown i was quite uh i was quite impressed there were, there were things i was learning when i was you know stumbling across things in walkthroughs that i would never have thought had a consequence and it turns yeah. out because i yeah. said something to somebody earlier or because i yeah. talked yeah i talked to somebody or didn't talk to somebody or talked to them in a certain tone it would have
2: Gen- genuine consequences later in the game yeah yeah that's that's one thing that um i think they they also brought into the witcher 3 and as well as it's, it's really neat to me that there are these little tiny choices that at the time i had no idea that i was making like an actual important decision and it's really cool that that they have that in there and that there's no indication that you're that you just made something you know, it's not like the telltale like somebody is going to remember that like up in the top <laughs> corner, which drives me crazy. Um, but that's a, that's a side note. Uh, but I, I really appreciate that there's there's just it doesn't need to be a big giant choice for for a consequence to happen.
1: Mm. Uh, uh, yeah i mean just kind of expanding on the on the fact that they don't flag it you know with with mass effect one of the big the you know flaws of that game that series is the kind of paragon renegade thing. you have always Mm -hmm. got the blue red thing because they don't have a moral choice system in this game whatsoever um there are a lot of occasions where I was genuinely kind of conflicted or just didn't realize, like, as you say, didn't realize that this was even important. And either seconds, like either seconds after making that choice or, you know, hours down the line realizing the impact of it. um, Yeah, it's, it's really impressive. And I think the thing... The thing that one of the reasons why I, I like the conflict between the Scoyotel Tell and the Knights in this game maybe a bit more than kind of similar conflict. So like um, the Mages versus the the Templars in uh, the Dragon Age series is that because they have that you know the, those systems underlining everything, they they. The writers, as much as they want to say, you know, either side, you know, it's a gray situation, the writers do kind of write one side as being the bad guys and one side being the good guys that maybe did something bad, but not really that bad. And mm-hmm. your, your, your kind of loyalties are naturally drawn a certain way. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, I feel like the score you tell do enough in this game that is genuinely uh, horrific
2: yeah
1: and the the knights do enough like there's enough characters that represent the knights that are genuinely decent people
2: yeah
1: that you like you do feel like you could go either way and it's not Mm. an upset like it's not like in some games i feel like that's a promise that's never actually you know fulfilled whereas the witcher series consistently does fulfill that promise
2: hmm
0: Yeah, and uh, just like life, not really concentrating on the decisions I was making and realising how important they were, that's how I ended up with Shani. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it. And that's the problem. I just ended up, you know, I was just clicking on things and saying stuff <laughs> mm. that seemed right at the time. Uh, yeah, and mm. that's a great example because then I was, I had supposedly had this relationship with Shani for the rest of the game. Mm. I didn't particularly have any strong feelings for her right, or, yeah. uh, or, or Triss at, at this point. Yeah. We we haven't really talked about the, the the, uh, the the voice performances yet we must do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In fact, this is as good a junction as anyway. Uh, any so I didn't uh, have any particular uh, problem with uh, Sharni Triss's voice acting. Um, there, I would say overall the game was a was a, a really mixed bag, um, but uh, overall not not great from my point of view i think uh, there's a lot of um there's a lot of just yeah hammy or unconvincing performances um i found sometimes that the models the, the models being as they were was actually detracting and when I, I sometimes during scenes cut scenes because the the animation and the models were not selling it i would actually look away from the screen and listen to it as if a radio play or 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 something and it and it actually made me realize that some of the voice acting was perfectly serviceable and in in the if it was if if i was being presented by modern models and animation it would have just about past muster in some cases uh but the combination of some yeah slightly below par acting with some very below par models and and animation meant that a lot of the scenes even though you can tell from the way we've already talked about it that some of the story got us you know interested Mm. i think i felt less engaged with the entire thing than i could have been if if we'd had some some stronger acting and also the script is the script is okay like it, it's yeah. fine, but it's a yeah. bit flat. There's not there's not much there's not much um, there's there's no real prose to it. It's it's just a no.
2: translation. Yeah, yeah, and and from what I understand, people. I mean, I don't know this for sure because I don't know I don't speak Polish. So I haven't played the Polish sure. version of the game, but from what I understand, that the translation is is pretty rough. So um, it kind of yeah. comes through honestly in the script, and and yeah, I the voice acting for me, I think. I would go a little bit further than, than mixed bag, I think most of it 's honestly really bad. Um, mm. I, I think like the women are are probably the best uh, Shani, I think is actually pretty good, even though I ended up not really choosing her. I thought she was okay uh, Zoltan I thought was actually he was fine um, but yeah. for the most part yeah just mostly mostly just like th- th- none of them had any gravity in 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 their voice they had no um, no sense of urgency so like if something intense was happening like so towards chapter I think it's, it's chapter 4 when you have to pick between uh, the Squirtle and, and the well I guess you did it multiple times but there's the Squirtle takes over that village it's the bank raid in, uh, in, in 3 when you actually commit Yeah, right well yeah you're right so but both of those times, I think Dandelion's around, mm. and the voice actor for him is just, it's like my neighbor next door, like just some dude that got called in to the, you know, try not to be disrespectful, I guess, but uh, he just, he had no intensity to he had to the situation, and it's just, uh, I don't know, I just generally really didn't like I- it
1: sean i know you know this but leon uh dandelion never gets better like the, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. voice acting He's, for that character huh? remains terrible for the whole yeah. series is it the same guy uh i don't think it is weirdly okay. like because I I, I, <laughs> I, I, weird. I I look i look i i looked up um the the imdb pages of the games just to compare and and see who carried forward um so dave cockle is the obvious one he, right, he's yeah. done through the whole series uh doug, doug cockle, sorry yeah. um he's um has uh, been retained through the entire series the voice actor who plays um thawler the spy with the uh, monocle um his voice actor remains the same for uh, the witcher three um but apart from those, there's probably a couple more that I'm missing. But a uh, large swaths of the cast are, are recast. So Trish mm-hmm. is a different actress. Uh, Zoltan's a different actor. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, all down the line, all the major characters. Uh, like, key for me is... Um, uh, the king of redania they they recast him drastically cuz in this he's like uh, oh i'm the king of redania <laughs> 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 whereas in in the witcher 2 onwards he's got like this tough northern kind of accent and he's and i could like i couldn't take him seriously as a character in this this entry at all but he ends up being one of the more compelling characters later on it and a lot of that is to do with just like the quality of the performance your ability to be invested in the character um, you know is somewhat dictated by the actor delivering those lines and I think that's evident with um, with Doug Cockle because I think not only his performance but I, th- I think it, it, honestly it must be the voice direction because his performance gets uh, dramatically better as the series goes along and
0: experience presumably and learning and yeah. you know, knowing the character and all that I, I'm not a fan of, of Doug Cockle's work at this point but I have not played the sequels so uh, so that may change but uh, he reminded me of uh, of of um deus ex guy you know the yep, yep. i never asked for this right it's, yeah, kind of, watch know, it's or, such yeah. a it's such a cliche it's it,
1: it's very very one note in this mm-hmm. game he's very just smug and yeah. dismissive all the time and a bit sexy. whereas yeah and not <laughs> well, just a bit a very sexist <laughs> yeah very like casually sexist all the time and I just think uh, they they start to improve him in The Witcher 2 but in The Witcher 3 he's allowed to be goofy, he's allowed to be funny, he's allowed yeah. to make yeah. jokes, yeah. he's allowed to have like genuine moments of just enjoying what he does um, and that's the, if anyone who's like checked out the most recent kind of um, trailer for the Gwent standalone game, there's the, just this it's a great trailer, it's worth checking out there's just this sequence with him like sitting, playing a cargo game with Siri and that's that's my Geralt like that mm. Geralt who's just having a pint and enjoying himself not mm. this kind of like Christian Bale Batman wannabe yeah, that's yeah. kind of going across mm. um going across this uh, fantasy landscape
0: uh, so after uh tumultuous ends chapter three you end up relocated for chapter four in places you've not seen before lakeside a uh, little sleepy village called murky waters and some fields that i mentioned earlier i think this is uh, yeah the prettiest chapter in the game
2: yeah for sure uh
0: and uh, you end up involved with various uh, strange goings on these feel like sort of separate stories to everything else that's going on uh, the 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 hunt for the legendary uh, raven armor begins and this is where you can hear of the king of the wild hunt for the first time but it's kind of optional um i guess the main stories are the 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 Vodianoi, who are these fish people mm. that you mentioned uh, the lady of the lake wants uh, wants tribute i can't remember why she ends up knighting you uh, and <laughs> and you can bed her which apparently is really inappropriate to the law of the the books uh, that just wouldn't happen. But perhaps uh, perhaps the oddest story, the one that runs throughout, is the uh, Julian and uh, Alina, Selina and Adam story where you end up with cursed ghost brides and multiple murders. Uh, mm. All very odd.
1: I, I really liked the quest line with the cursed uh, ghost brides just because it's so tragic. Like... Mm. The worst has already happened. All you can do is kind of help these spirits, you know, find some peace in the afterlife. And just the the kind of the series of events that led up to these multiple murders as well you've got the sister accidentally kind of or you don't know it's kind of left ambiguous either accidentally or on purpose shoving you know the sister and her falling to her death and then this kind of stalker admirer of 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 one of the sisters takes revenge on on the other sister and kills her and and they all and they both because so there's this weird thing in um uh, witcher law where there are noon wraiths and night wraiths and that basically dictates at what you know time of day this ghostly apparition will haunt you so noon raves are during the day and night wraiths are during the night and i like the kind of like um have it having the two there kind of like one kind of wandering around during the night and one wandering around during the day kind of a constant reminder of uh, of the, those two sisters in in that field and and that was really hor- that's a really horrifying and effective image and yeah it was just it it that we get more of this later on in the series but just kind of like Geralt's role as kind of a cleanup guy basically not not the hero not the not the savior but the guy who just kind of cleans up other people's messes uh, because the, the the majority of monsters that appear are the result of human beings being terrible to each other like um, so ghouls for example show up on battlefields um, where loads and loads of people have been slaughtered and then they become a problem for villagers close by I, I love that as a theme of just you know Geralt being the pest control rather than the hero <laughs> nobly slaying a dragon
2: yeah, yeah I, I also I thought these were the most um effective uh side stories but the one thing that was taking me out was as 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 much as we ju- we just said like that this is probably the prettiest chapter and I think the environments here are, are really effective um I think the the actual art design of of the characters you meet in this chapter is like almost offensive <laughs> like to my eyes like like the 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 fish people are just some yeah, of the pretty worst comical. designed, yeah, like, uh, the the whole, I mean, it's clearly inspired by Lovecraft and Cthulhu, and it even has a character named Dagon, who who yeah. you have to summon at one point, um, which I, I did kind of like that you had to sacrifice a cow there in that sequence, that was pretty funny. I but didn't do that, I did it another I way, didn't. but yeah, that's <laughs> I, a good example of the
0: options that there are,
2: yeah. Yeah, you go yeah yeah but them, them and and the and the the ghost uh, or the the selena and alina um i like the way they looked was just i don't know if it was supposed to be frightening but i guess i guess in a way it was like to me they had like the their all their skin was like totally dried up looking but yeah. their eyes their Eyes were perfectly fine, like this, just regular normal eyes. Yeah. And it just, oh, it just. No, only the Noon Bride had normalized because oh, right. the, other, the one other one had sewn, had sewn up. up, sewn up yeah, out, really.
0: yeah. <laughs> it was, but yeah, just like, it just was a repulsive looking design to me. Was Apparently, that story is based on a an existing folk tale of some kind. Oh, okay.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna come to the defence of the Vojenoy priest because I found his I, he's not it's not a pretty design but I found it quite I I, I think it's mainly his design combined with his vocal performance I ended yeah, up finding quite endearing was that was like he a ended mis- up being quite thing. funny uh, yeah.
0: even though obviously same year so coincidental but it reminded me more of one of the you know the 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 races in in mass effect like the elcor or someone like that there was a there was a touch of that um the, the 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 whole wedding thing uh just ended it in hilarious fashion because when you go to tell julian what's gone on there's the most uproarious upbeat irish style Celtic Duke <laughs> playing in the background so rather than take him outside and say listen I'm really sorry about this so I've got something to tell you you like go up to him in the middle of the pub and it's all diddly daddly dodly daddly diddly yeah. and he says uh, oh I'm afraid uh, your wife's your, your, your betrothed dead and he's go, and then he's kind of like oh, oh. oh okay and then he starts getting all emotional maybe it took a second yeah. to, to go in um, then he gets all resolute and then you go outside, and there's still all these people. They're going, "I love a wedding," even though it's yeah. been several days <laughs> since uh, since all this kicked She's off. Dying. Yeah. yeah, so it all kind of f- fell apart for me a bit. It, it became yeah. genuinely comical um,
2: the end of that quest. So, bit of a shame. Well, al- almost, almost any conversation ends up comical because I'll end it with "See ya, see ya, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> yeah
0: so you can uh you, you can exit uh, this area or you do exit this area you're kind of funneled at this point back to old vizima now it's on fire and under siege uh and ada who we learn is in fact the product of an incestuous union between uh, the king Foltest and his sister uh she's cursed again uh, because uh, we learn that the cure the the original cure was sabotaged and recast by de wet uh also, enter the Grand Master, uh, a very late, late stage yeah, ultra really. boss. Uh, yeah, the uh, power behind the throne person who is threatening to, who wants to enslave the entire of humanity with, or, or replace them with a mutant army. Um, this mm-hmm. came out of nowhere for me, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, so yeah. I, and I and I didn't make the connection until afterwards. There's there's this really annoying kid. Uh, that you've been dealing with throughout the game called Alvin. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I didn't realise until he he went off disappearing, oh, I was supposed to care about him. He follows you around (laughs) in the field for most of Chapter 4. He's got that classic, I think, uh, uh, woman doing... I mean, actually, maybe it is a maybe it is a, an adolescent boy. But it, it, either way, the the, the performance—he's just the most obnoxious, classic, snotty American-sounding kid. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, and 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 it just really—I mean—the accents in this game are all literally all over the place. Yeah. So like, there they are accents yeah. from everywhere, which sort of yeah. works in some ways, and in some ways, it just makes you think: okay, so why are the Druids Welsh? Oh, that right, dwarf is yeah. Scottish, of course, because dwarves are Scottish. Except that one's Irish, okay, uh, and so on and so forth. And then you've got then you've got uh, New Yorker as the uh, king of the underworld, and and so on. Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, it turns out that the Grand Master is not only the big bad. Once you've finished your your showdown with Javed, uh, who uh, the, the the um. The The Witcher secrets have since been moved on because Grandmaster was actually ahead of Javed in pecking order at the Salamander, is that right? Like, you thought Javed was the king, but Grandmaster's actually the... Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jacques, Jacques d'Alexander, de, de, de so, d'Aldersberg, de, de that's it. Um, and it turns out, so you have another strigger situation where you can either kill or cure. Uh, you have right. the showdown. Um, and then you've got this epilogue, which kind of yeah it's like it's the most um it's i really enjoyed the fact like people have been saying that throughout this game you just spend time witchering you be a witcher you deal with people and their problems there are political situations going on but it's not necessarily the end of the world it's just a a situation that's ongoing and in flux and then suddenly you're being threatened with the end of the world and what's even more bizarre is it turns out at the end that the guy you were fighting is the kid you were protecting Throughout several chapters of the game, and he can now travel through time. And why?
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, so I, I have more context just because I've played more of the series. So good, the, good. the white, the white frost is this thing. Um, so <laughs> let's get into big witcher lore here. <laughs> so there's this thing called the conjunction of the spheres. <laughs> which is basically an event where all the dimensions kind of combine together and briefly every race from every um, possible dimension were in the same place and then they separated again and then a bunch of races were kind of trapped in the world that we're in now, which is why you've got elves, dwarves and humans all living in the same place because that's the result of the conjunction of the spheres. Now, there's this thing called the white frost that goes from dimension to dimension of just lowering the temperature a great deal to the point where life is no longer possible in that uh, dimension. And then you have the wild hunt. Their primary motivation is kind of escaping this white frost. Um, it's revealed later on in the series. Um, and so, like, the white frost is kind of like the actual big antagonist of the entire video game series and they introduce it here and it becomes a bigger and bigger deal um but it's such a late addition to the story of this game um and for for me it was like oh like they're going here already. Like um, I thought, because you know it, it becomes a bigger deal, and I thought it would was only introduced later on. But seeing it here, really, as as I as I said, like there's just right. no setup, and then you've got you know they introduced the uh, the Wild Hunt King, and that yeah. that feels like it's come out of nowhere as well. I was thinking,
0: who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. What we should say is, and there will be people shouting at this right. podcast yeah. right now saying, read all the books in the yeah. game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because we should say there's an extensive glossary, uh, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed you know, padding out. And I quite like the fact that you, you can buy these books or find these books. And when you right click on them to read them, you get a, an entry added to your, yeah, I really your like journal. That. Mm-hmm. And I always like those things in theory do I ever spend mm. time actually sitting there reading <laughs> No, because yeah. I'm a lazy gamer who just wants to click on the next thing uh, <laughs> yeah. and kill the next monster. And so there's part of me thinking, I wonder if there's a resource. There probably is. It's probably on the wiki somewhere uh, where you can actually sit down and read all this stuff and it would serve again as a primer. But yes, you could have got to this point in the game without having the game explain it to you explicitly. But you could have found the book. I think it comes into your hands and you could have read up on The King of the Wild Hunt and The White Frost and whatever else.
2: Yeah, but I think this is a... I mean, I don't know if this is a scientific sample size, but all three of us are having the same situation here where we got to that point and like, what is this? Like, I kind of assume that the majority of people are going to get to that point and not have any idea what's happening.
0: But I assume the fact that games like... The Elder Scrolls games and all the Bioware games have these massive databases of written text in them mean that because people read some them. people really yeah. love it. Um sure. yeah. perhaps, you know, more literate than, <laughs> we, than, us. than we are. Yeah. Or perhaps less because Always they're possible. happy to read codices rather than actual books. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. Um, no, but I, I genuinely, I always, I get guilt when, when, when games have these because I think oh, I should read these, but I'm mm-hmm. never motivated enough to actually, or not never, but I'm, I'm seldom most of the time, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just, I just, you know, if I'm playing a game, I want to be actually playing, not right, sitting yeah. there reading, unless it's a purely reading game, but uh, audio diaries, audio diaries. That's why they invented the audio yeah, diaries, yeah. but of course exactly. they wouldn't really fit in, in the not so, <laughs> not so much, not so much um yeah and so and the uh, the grandmaster as i say turns out to be this kid from the future or he was in the past anyway uh and i don't know why and the king of the wild hunt actually offers to take the grandmaster from you rather than let you finish him and if Mm -hmm. you refuse that you I, i don't even know if you get to have that final fight and the final blow but i yeah, I fought the King of the Wild Hunt, killed him fairly easily and quickly, and then killed the Grandmaster. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I mainly did it to, for closure. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand <laughs> yeah. what the consequence would be if I took the other
1: option. So I guess I was being pragmatic, which uh, I, I suppose. <laughs> Um, for me I made the decision based on the context that I've already played the Witcher 3 and I was like I'll, I'll deal with you later so I just gave mm-hmm. I gave him the Grandmaster yeah. and, uh, yeah. and I knowing what he's potentially going to do with that character it's not that bad a fate honestly like, <laughs> I, I, it's not it's better than death so off he goes it's fine so
0: presumably now I've killed the king of the wild hunt in The Witcher One, I'll never have anything to do with him ever again,
2: <laughs> right? Yep, there you go. The Witcher yep. Three is just called The Witcher Three now. It's yeah, the wild hunt entirely.
0: That would be amazing. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Uh, Ashman86 from the forum says between the years of 2004 and 2008, Bioware were all but silent on Dragon Age, which they billed at the time as the spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate. But somewhere between 2006 and 2007, they began promoting another RPG powered by the Aurora engine of Neverwinter Nights and Knights of the Old Republic fame, The Witcher. The developers, CD Projekt Red, were a no-name group based out of Poland about whom I knew nothing. And I knew less than nothing about the book series by Sapkowski, upon which their upcoming game was based. What I did know, however, was that the music featured on its official website was eerie and mournful and positively lovely, and that the game was to feature an alchemy system that sounded more compelling to me than any I had seen in a game before. I began following The Witcher up through its development cycle and I was delighted when it released a generally very positive reviews. Critics had a lot of great things to say about the game's approach to morality and choice, especially about how the game delayed the consequences for in-game choices until much later in the narrative, which made them feel impactful and permanent in a way that hadn't really been seen before. I read also that load times were horrendous, voice acting was largely passable at best, and that the game reduced women to collectible trophies of sexual conquest. Even still, the only barrier I could see to my actually playing the game was my ageing desktop PC, which was already struggling to play most modern releases at the time. When a demo was released for The Witcher, I finally got a chance to put the game to the test. Hilariously, hilariously, it failed to render nearly any of the textures in the game, save for the disembodied and literally glowing cleavage of Triss Merigold. Deflated, I relegated The Witcher to a personal wish list for some time in the future, and then mostly forgot about it. Years later, a leaked trailer for The Witcher 2 hit the internet, and it was jaw-dropping. My wife and I were newly married, and although money was tight, she had surprised me with the components to build a gaming PC for our first Christmas together. I was determined to throw myself headfirst into The Witcher 2 when it launched, and I figured the best way to prepare myself for just that was to finally play the first game. I picked up The Witcher Enhanced Edition on good old games for less than $20, ignored Alvin's laughably bad voice acting in one of the early scenes, and immersed myself wholly into Geralt of Rivia's world. I think that for many, the first chapter or two of The Witcher are a slog, and while that seems like fair criticism to me, I was in love with it almost from the get-go. The game's world was dark and compelling, and the monsters, I thought, were unique and alien. Visually and conceptually, most were different from the -the run-of-the-mill enemies you'd encounter in a typical high-fantasy RPG, and many of them reminded me of one of my all-time favourite games, Quest for Glory 4 Shadows of Darkness, which also featured an Eastern European setting. I also read every snippet of text I could find in the game, because I was entirely enamoured with its lore. NB. By the game's third act, I knew The Witcher was truly something special, and I walked through it to the finale over the course of a single weekend. It was the ending that cemented, for me, The Witcher as a true masterpiece of RPG gaming. As I inched closer and closer through a winter wasteland to the final encounter with the Grand Master of the Flaming Rose, a creeping sense of familiarity fell upon me. Lessons I had imparted on the young boy Alvin found their way into the mouth of my nemesis, who twisted them to his own ends and used them as justification for the atrocities he committed. When at last he lay dead at my feet, still clutching the dimeritium amulet Triss had given him as a child, my fears and suspicions were confirmed. This man, this monster, had been my ward. My mind was blown. Yeah, so it obviously worked entirely for Ashman there. Sounds fantastic. Uh,
2: Yeah. yeah, um, He tells that story better than the game does, honestly. In my perspective. I would
0: would agree. So yeah, something that we've already had mentioned Ashman there above, one of the uh, perhaps things that might not even fly in uh, in just ten years (laughs) later uh, are the way in which uh, not all, but many of the female NPCs are uh, treated in this game as effectively collectibles for uh, one-night stands with Geralt. You know, it's fine that he's got sexual urges, even though he can't have children. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's fine that women are interested in him and and want to have sex. Uh, The the issue really is that uh, you, I mean, you know, everyone's fairly free and easy. I guess those are the times, and actually, some people are like that, and that's all, all cool as well. Uh, yeah. It's the fact that you effectively are collecting a deck of romance cards <laughs> yeah. by yeah. working your way through a set of women, and your reward are, your reward is a, a blurry. Uh, yeah (laughs) sort of cutscene in the background which which isn't showing much obviously i know that the sex scenes go uh go a long way as the series goes on but here Mm -hmm. you you (laughs) are given depending on which version you play either a slightly coy or a fairly explicit uh illustration of the woman
2: that you have bedded it's really tacky i think yeah it's not not great and and there's something to be said for games that that portray sex and uh most of them don't really portray casual sex you're almost always in a relationship that like well just talking about bioware specifically i always felt that it was a little weird with bioware games how they they set it up as a relationship and you get even an achievement like you completed your relationship but it always ends with sex like that's like that's like the ultimate goal here and i kind of like that in which it's just like one more thing you can do Hmm in, in the game, but again, as you're saying, like, the, 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 the collectible card stuff is just embarrassing yeah it's like super embarrassing
1: <laughs> it it it's kind of it, it's interesting how the series develops because like yeah, it doesn't lose any of its um horniness as uh, no. some have, <laughs> yeah, have yeah. put it but i just feel like the the women are a bit less kind of objectified as the series goes along like mm. like uh, yennefer for example in the witcher 3 she's like the instigator <laughs> at one point where it's like Gareth's. Like, oh, sh- bloody hell! Oh, all right, okay, <laughs> um, and that that felt more, you know, natural. Felt more real, and yeah. and that stuff feels, you know. It's just it's just a bit more human, a bit more fleshed out, whereas here, like, that deck of cards, like, it feels like you're putting a notch on your bedpost, like some kind of horrible college student. It's not cool. Yeah. I, I don't like it at all. And I'm glad the series gets better yeah. in this regard.
0: A couple of yeah. points on nudity, and uh, let's be clear, none of us are being... Uh, uh, Squeamish or uptight about nudity of course, in itself, yeah. um, but yeah. it's, there are some a couple of amuse, amusing things to me. One is that the Lady of the Lake—you can tell she's important and classy because her hair covers her nipples <laughs> and pudenda. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that many of the uh, the, the dryad character models and some of the uh, some of the uh, female enemies are completely nude uh, with, yeah. I'd say, unnecessarily down, detailed yeah. genitals. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the thing that never stopped being funny because it was so crass is the fact that when you go to speak to one of the naked characters such as a dryad uh the character, yeah, the character. I think, the, I think what's happening is because the camera snaps in, the game thinks there's yeah. been some movement, so her breasts yeah. wobble as as the cutscene arrives. Like she's just gone. Ear! She's. Or it's always or because she's turned into position. So yeah. yeah, her breasts just kind of bounce from side to side, and they are you know they are um, unrealistically pert perfect, and uh, yeah. you know all that sort of, sort of stuff. So yeah, bit bit crap. Bit cheesy, mm-hmm. cheap and nasty. Two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah time and times times. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Tardinio says on uh, on this subject, though, uh, talk, talking in. Uh, in some regards with praise. Uh, I played The Witcher right after Dragon Age Origins and what struck me the most in playing both back-to-back was how much more mature Witcher felt in comparison to Dragon Age and how this helped its own storytelling and world. Witcher is a game that is unapologetic about its sex and violence. Not only uh, the game has characters talking about sex and even full-blown nudity without much fuss, while Bioware was still struggling in making their romance scenes not cringeworthy, but comparing the use of non-humans in Witcher to the elves in Dragon Age is night and day. You completely buy and understand and non-humans and their struggle and why many join the Scoia'tael due to the level of violence used against them and why the Scoia'tael act like they do it doesn't feel gratuitous and it's in a way very realistic given how real life persecutions back in the middle ages were and some even today by comparison the oppressed elves and mages in dragon age seem quite cartoony Uh, very much what Josh was saying earlier I think it was What I'm getting at is that the game has a lot more grit to it and it's done in a way not to make the story more edgy or to shock but to make its world more believable and lived in. The game doesn't use those elements right all the time. Sometimes it can be quite juvenile and sexist with its trading cards but overall the game uses them to its advantage and makes what could be a standard fantasy setting much more compelling. A mixed bag then. Oh goodness, I wasn't expecting that we've come to our three word of views at this point all right from twitter follow us at cane and Rince if you don't already loads of you don't i can tell by the numbers follow us
1: <laughs> so diego noves says needs fast travel
0: nicholas cook says trading
1: card romance mr church says sultan's face help sam kirk says greetings greetings greetings
2: Stephen Thompson Jones says, dated but worthy. Uh, Ryan Sandry says, brilliance yet unrealized.
1: Uh, Geno Magician says, above its ilk.
2: Thank you, everybody, for your correspondence
0: and three-word reviews. Now we're going to try to summarize. This is the first of four Witcher podcasts, and this has been my first full Witcher experience. I know I'm obviously going to be expecting uh, some technical advances and all that sort of thing uh so did i enjoy playing about 50 hours of the witcher i'm not sure uh i enjoyed some of it overall i know i say this a lot but it's true i'm glad i played it i'm glad that i have the completed save game to import into the witcher too that was for me as important as anything and from the historical perspective of trying to play every video game of interest ever. Uh, I'm glad I've played it from that point of view. There were a lot of issues and problems, technical side, you know, crashes and glitches uh, some really uh, quaint voice acting some unintentionally comedic scenes some uh, some pretty rough looking graphics in places but also there was a lot to like, some really ambitious storytelling Uh, Albeit sometimes a bit oblique, Uh, uh, a a cool um, character development setup with uh, with the the sort of sphere grid type of system, sort of uh, with uh, bronze, silver, and gold talents that can be applied throughout the game, and you get more talents and better skills as you go on. And you have to focus a bit unless you do everything, because you probably won't be able to max everything out. All that stuff is as compelling as always collecting loot even if sometimes it's in the comical style of stealing things from people's homes as they watch all that stuff uh present and correct in an rpg style Uh, disappointingly the game actually lacked a bit of atmosphere for me even with the music which i think is is really cool in places uh i think it was the clunkiness of the performances and the models those repeating textures glitches things like and again this is Partly coming to it in 2017. Things like not being able to walk down little ledges after playing massively open world games. Like, I haven't played loads of Witcher, but I've played other things, playing playing breath of the wild and then coming to this and not being able to to go through a tiny gap uh you're having to you know walk all the way around a village because there's a you're not allowed to go through a tiny gap in the fence that kind of thing uh it feels like a game of its time or perhaps even slightly earlier than its time in some regards so in that respect i think to most people i wouldn't recommend it i think most people would struggle with it and probably bounce off it but i will say that the as i got towards the end even though i was up against the time limit i'd i'd got to a point where i had this sacred armor on and my witcher actually looked like a witcher and he was full of skills and powers like a witcher and i knew exactly what tactics to use and what potions to take and i dealt with the the final few showdowns without losing a life as it were <laughs> this is not it's not that kind of game without dying and reloading i should say uh taking on this horde of mutants that was being thrown at me and all these fairly uh major plot revelations and yeah i was definitely i definitely came away having had uh, having had a decent time but overall i think for the vast majority of people you'll be fine starting with one of the later witches even though i haven't played them maybe they're terrible i don't know
2: <laughs> sean what was your witcher experience huh. i don't think this game is worth playing um in 2017 i think as someone who has played uh the witcher 3 um for a decent amount of time i i don't think that playing going back and playing the first witcher uh enriched the experience really in any way um uh, well, maybe I should. Well, in a way, I take it back, and in, in that I can say, like, holy crap! These guys have the guys and girls have improved tremendously <laughs> uh, in their talents since then, across the board, writing, acting, uh, storytelling. All, all and, you, and you can kind of see uh, the kernels here and there where where you can see like how they were approaching choice and consequence, and there's some some nice little touches in there um but for the most part like i i I wouldn't recommend anyone really play it you you can go ahead and play uh i don't know about the second one uh, but i know for sure the third one and and, uh and be totally fine without ever having played the first witcher so it's a mostly a thumbs down for me but that that music's real good yeah but you still don't know just how much of that imported save game is going to make a
0: difference to your witcher 2 and 3 experience
2: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much I care, but it's I'll it's get, a neat thing, but I'll get you know, back I, to you on that. Yeah, yeah,
0: in a month's time, two months time. I think Josh will probably be the most positive of the three of us.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean a lot of my positivity comes down to wearing um, rose tinted glasses throughout this entire experience. Um I- I've mm-hmm. completed both The Witcher Two and The Witcher Three. So at this point, like I'm really attached to this world and these characters. Mm. And just kind of seeing these familiar faces. Oh, that's Shani. Oh I, I-, I meet when you. They were and, yeah, like yeah. It, it's like <laughs> meeting them when they were younger and less articulate and less um <laughs> interesting. <your> um <laughs> it's like meeting uh, your friends when they were teenagers um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and 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 that was kind of the main driving force um you know pushing me through this game was just. Like I'm compelled by these characters in this world, and and it was kind of fascinating to to see the uh, you know to to see the early stages of this developer that I've really grown to grown to love and appreciate. I do end up kind of agreeing with you guys, though. Um, I don't think this is worth playing um, in 2017. Only if you've already played The Witcher Two and The Witcher Three, and you're still curious. I I think it's worth just jumping to the witcher 2 if you want to have a positive gaming experience this is just more of a historical curiosity um Mm. and yeah um and like sean said it's it kind of just um put in perspective like how much of an improvement like the the latest sequels are even the witcher like everyone uh, lavishes the the witch witcher free uh, with praise but even the witcher 2 is such a dramatic jump up in in all areas um in terms of mm-hmm. writing and, and voice acting and everything and i i can't wait leon for you to jump into the witcher <laughs> 2 because i think that's when you're going to start having a, a real appreciation for this series absolutely and this whole thing that we do of uh, of
0: of going back as a as a, a historical piece is is, mm-hmm. is in some in some ways it's so that other people don't have to or the people that listen to this podcast if they were if they had lingering doubts and they and they maybe we won't change anyone's mind i don't know but um uh some people like me are compelled to do these things and and then make a podcast about them <laughs> some people are just quite happy to play the witcher 3 and have a great time or not but um yeah, it's sort of it, it's interesting. And as I say, I feel like maybe I'll be more invested because I I did I did this uh, and, mm-hmm. and I feel personally more satisfied for having done it. So it's mm-hmm. worth it, worth it in that respect, if, if nothing else. And I guess we should also say that if this hadn't been uh, a, a critical hit and presumably a commercial yeah. one, we wouldn't have had. We wouldn't have three we wouldn't have had two let alone three so yeah. yeah uh and having installed two last night and just looking at the opening section my goodness what an upgrade to to the <laughs> yeah. graphics engine and, and everything um it's yeah, it's it's it lo- it's four years gap but it looks more like 14 it's, uh, it's yeah that's it's extraordinary all right but we're talking about the witcher 2 in a couple of months and for this podcast it remains for me leon to thank josh and sean as well as our correspondents and of course all of you for listening and do remember if you've enjoyed this podcast and our other shows do please consider heading over to our patreon donating that minimum of a dollar a month or a bit more if you want Uh, we make currently about three hours of podcasts a week for you to enjoy three hours of podcasts a week that's like 12 hours a month and we're asking for a dollar that seems reasonable and in fact if enough of you do that Uh, then we'll end up making even more podcasts how does that sound and next time in issue 275 we blast off and strike the evil bido empire in our r-type and r-type 2